This is the Mountain Vision Podcast, where we share our obsession with hunting in the outdoors and talk waterfowl and big game hunting. Whether we're waterfowl hunting in the Sacramento Valley with the Sutter Buttes as our backdrop, or deer hunting in the Sierras, one thing is for certain, our vision of the mountains is a hard one to shake. Listen along as I interview outdoorsmen that have inspired me, and you might find inspiration from them as well. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Mountain Vision Podcast. On this episode, I sat down and I talked to Jeff Paganini. Uh, You can find him on Instagram at Cal underscore Fowl, and then also his new page, uh, Days underscore End underscore Outdoors. Uh, And that's his Days End Outdoors podcast that he's starting. So exciting times for him and uh had a great conversation with him we we talked waterfowl hunting and big game hunting so it's i think it's almost two hours long so yeah listen to some of it now some of it later or listen to all of it now it'd be great too anyways hope you enjoy uh i had a good conversation with jeff look forward to doing it again sometime um thanks for listening because you run your own podcast so go ahead give yourself a shout out and we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll make it happen from Mountain Vision Podcast. Yeah, dude, hell so. yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm Sean White um, on Instagram. I'm a blue-collar harvester and then also have the mountain.vision page for the for the podcast, the Mountain Vision Podcast. Um, so, yeah, check that out. And then, and then uh, yeah, so for me, I, I started off, Hunting. I didn't grow up hunting in a in a hunting family or anything like that. I just um, I actually grew up like riding dirt bikes and riding BMX and skateboarding and just doing stuff like that. And then uh, and then probably what I think I started duck hunting like 14 years ago or something like that. Um, and then uh, had a chocolate lab, trained her myself, and took a lot of pride in in her retrieving skills and, um, and stuff like that. So that, that, that kind of got, that was kind of my passion, honestly, like just working with the dog and seeing her, uh, be successful. And it was like proud dad moments, um, waterfowl hunting with her. And then she passed a couple of years ago and, um, oh, actually, yeah, I guess it's been a couple of years and Duck hunting slowed down there for a couple of years, but I'm kind of getting excited about it again now and thinking about getting another dog. And um, as far as big game hunting goes, I've only been doing that for, I think this is my fifth year. So um, I only have one deer under my belt, so I'm a, I'm a rookie with that, but I'm learning every time I go and I love every minute of it. I'm addicted. Um, I've been on like an antelope hunt and a elk hunt and stuff like that with my wife's uncle and um deer hunts with other people and stuff like that but yeah that's pretty much my my story as far as hunting goes um yeah it's kind of started from waterfowl hunting and dove hunting and chucker hunting and pheasant hunting and duck hunting and stuff like that but um so what about you jeff want to introduce yourself and your your uh podcast yeah um i'm jeff paganini uh instagram stuff is Cal Fowl, like C-A-L underscore Fowl, F-O-W-L. Um, this whole podcasting thing's new. You helped me out with getting all the gear set up and everything, but it's a day's end outdoors, like the end of days outdoors, but vice versa. Um, 
dude like you, I, I didn't grow up in a hunting family at all. In fact, I was the first person to start hunting in my family, which was right after high school. I was probably 19 or something like that. Got into waterfowl hunting with some buddies and then eventually got my brother into it. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I just grew up fly fishing like no other on the northern sack from a grew up in a small town like south of uh, Mount Shasta called Dunsmere, like 1200 people on a good day kind of town. And, uh, yeah, got my brother into duck hunting and then he got me into big game hunting who a buddy of ours got him into and so on and so forth but only been big game hunting for two years so you have one more deer than i have because i just have a wall full of empty tags that's pretty depressing to look at (laughs) and uh i mean you definitely you definitely put the effort in like i see it all the time you know like you're out trying to get after it and it's it's cool to watch like your whole thing. I listen to your podcast all the time. Like I just listened to your most recent episode, which was pretty much summing out. Like I think that it's called the struggle is real. And I can <laughs> totally dude, I can totally agree to that. Like just from my two elk hunts that I've done. So, yeah, well to do to me, it's like, it, I don't know. Sometimes it feels laughable, dude. Cause like some guys are just out. Some guys just have it figured out. They either, they either have more time to put in than I do or they've been doing it longer or or whatever it is but some guys just figure it out quicker than others and I like for me I'm just trying to keep it real dude and I'm like you know I I I was kind of quiet for a while like for a couple of weeks dude I'm like just struggling man I like I'm like I can't just keep posting scouting pictures dude like I got to post a picture eventually of something that I've actually killed and I just can't seem to figure it out but I'm just like dude I, I'm just going to keep it real and just Maybe people can relate to it, you know, because I can't, I don't know, man, it's, it's tough. California's tough. And we were, we were talking on the phone earlier and, you know, like, I feel like people, guys in California don't get enough credit. We were kind of talking about how, you know, the deer numbers here are so low and they're just, it's just such a, it's such a grind trying to be successful, um, the same with waterfowl hunting. I mean, there's numbers, but by the time that those ducks get down here, um, and I think, th- I think you might be even a little bit more die, die hard into duck hunting than I am. Um, but I mean, we, we definitely both have a passion for it. I can, I can tell you do. And, um, but yeah, by the time those ducks get down here, they're, they're weary as hell. I mean, they've been hunted from Canada to Washington, to Oregon. And by the time they get through Northern California and it freezes up there, then they push down here and, they're smart dude and so guys that are successful down here um i think are like a force to be reckoned with out of state like some of these other states they just have they just have it i think you know i i don't want to say they have it easy it's still tough but it's a hell of a lot easier than here that's for sure don't you think dude yeah i was it's like it's tough being out here and trying to go like trust me like big game honey like i went on like a couple trips and like scouting for deer and like how we were talking earlier was, you know, looked at, looked at a Brett and I go, man, we've seen like 30 does. Like there's gotta be a buck that comes out. And then he looks at me and goes, you sure it's not the same two does, (laughs) you know, and it's, it's, it's hard for us too though, to like walk that fine line of going like California hunting is extremely hard and not be like out of state is easy. Cause like, I've only elk hunted out of state. Like, I had a deer tag last year and could have had a shot on, like, a couple does. And then this year, 
dude, I swear they get the regs and know what comes in your mail. Cause this year, my brother and I were like, let's not get deer tags. And we came around one little like point on this finger ridge. And there's a, a like huge three by three, like 60 yards out, just stops and turns and looks at me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is great. But that's like more bucks than I've seen here in California. Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy, dude, like, the difficulty that everybody goes through. And I, I don't think, like, out of state, I mean, I'm not sure how they deal with, like, agricultural systems or something like that. Um, but, like, the biggest thing I found out <clears throat> is A-zone hunting sucks unless you <laughs> hike in 50-gallon, you know, you roll a 55-gallon drum of water to your spot yeah. three months ahead of time, and you're like, cool. Like, I'll be back here in two months because it's, like, 95 degrees. You're not seeing jack. You know, it's, like, everybody says, like, A-Zone, you know, like, a lot of people kill bucks on A-Zone. Yeah. Uh, uh, private property, you know, and it's, like, I don't know anybody who's, like, yeah, come out here and shoot these bucks. You know, they're either hunting them to themselves or they don't want anybody hunting it, so. Yeah, seriously. And, yeah. like, I, the biggest problem to me with A-Zone is the lack of water. And uh, I know Brett can agree with this because I got heat exhaustion or like heat stroke on one hunt we went on and it was like trying to ration water and I just like sat through all my water and I, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. So just <laughs> not rough. a fan of that, dude. I just, I like to be able to be like, okay, like look on my GPS and be like, there's a spring here. Like I'm, I'm going to go hit it up real quick. Yeah. Have you hunted, have you hunted up in the Sierras? Yeah, I did a, uh, I did a little solo backpack hunt um, one day. Just drove up there. I think that was D three, and it was like jumped on the PCT, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail. Yeah. And it was just hiker after hiker after hiker, and I go, well, they're not going to be here, you know. But there's a lot of water up there, so I was like, this is a little bit more promising than Azon. So I might have to come back up here next season or something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I, uh, especially this season with COVID, like, everybody, nobody had anything better to do than to go up into the mountains and get away. So, like, you know, the scouting season, I I was hiking all those trails, and I kept backpacking. I mean, I was going over five miles in at a time and just trying to go to these remote lakes and just glass some basins and stuff that I was finding on Google Earth and Onyx and stuff. And it was like, I would go to, I mean, I was like five or six miles out of, couple different trips at these remote lakes and there was literally i'm not even exaggerating like 30 people at each one of those lakes (laughs) i was like dude this is not normal i mean it's usually like you might see somebody or a couple people on the trail or something but it was crazy but anyways i think the moral of the story like that i'm finding out especially when it's that busy is just get completely away from trails and roads and everything at least like at least a mile or more even oh yeah even if it's you know typically like a remote area i mean i don't know (laughs) i'm not an ex i'm still trying to figure it out but everybody i talk to like um is just saying get get off the trails which is i mean it's kind of common sense but it's easier said than done especially like in i don't know dude i've been trying to narrow down um some of these areas and it's like anywhere around the Tahoe area in all these remote remote lakes there's there's trails everywhere man like there's hiking trails and 
snowflakes hiking around everywhere. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, you brought up COVID, which is like something that I think, I, dude, I think you nailed it right on the head. It was like, uh, everybody was so just like clammed up, you know? And then they finally were just like, F this, I'm going out, you know? And yeah. next thing you know, it was like, for instance, when my brother and I went to Idaho, uh, I was like, hey, last year we stayed at this campground. We're going to go hit that back up again. We When we got into town and into the unit, we went and drove for two and a half, three hours and could not find an open campsite that didn't have like a hunting party in it or just like recreational people who just like drove their trailers out there, you know, or their RVs and were just dirt bikes everywhere and just having a good old time. And I looked at my brother and I go, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I've been, I've been, I don't know. Like I said, again, I I, I don't want to. I, I just keep reiterating the fact that I'm I'm learning as I go because I don't ever want to like come across like I know what I'm talking about necessarily. So, but as I go, I'm learning and talking to other people and just, um, you know, even though you're like backpacked in a bunch of miles, if you're still on the trail, there's still a possibility of of hikers and people that are being loud and people people riding. Uh, bikes and dirt bikes and even when they're not supposed to be on the trail on off-road vehicles or whatever sometimes they are and it's like it just ruins the hunt dude it's like it's like you just have i I think spending more time on e-scouting and really like digging in and planning to to get off of those trails uh is gonna be the key next year that's my plan anyways like this year like i said I, i kept during scouting season, I was running all these COVID people just hitting the, hitting the hills and hitting the mountains. And I, and I, I got kind of discouraged from the, the backpacking thing. Cause I was putting all this effort and planning into backpack hunting or backpack scouting and planning all these hunts and stuff. And I was just running into an insane amount of people that I finally was like, you know what, dude, like this year's screwed because of COVID. I'm just going to, um, you know, just kind of, I mean, sort of wing it really. I mean, I was still e-scouting and stuff, but I was trying to find places that are closer to roads that I could, that I could truck camp and, and use my trailer or whatever, and just kind of still work my butt off like I have been, but, um, not worry so much about backpacking. And I, I don't know, dude, I, th- I, th- I think it's still the way to go. If you want to try to find bucks in California anyways, is just to get away from people. <laughs> so, yeah, get away from them, hike in with about 40 pounds of corn, dump it, throw game trail, <laughs> game camera up, and sit and wait for the oh, next week. Dude. Oh, man. You you mentioned it in your podcast, your most recent one, was The Great Ghost, and I, I like, dude, it hits the nail on the head right there, because it's like, when you want to see them, you never do, and then when you don't want to see them, they're everywhere. Yeah, man, it's like... Dude, I, I, like I've been on camping trips and this and that like this season and like with the family and I'll like we'll go on a camping trip or whatever and we'll just be walking down to the lake and three or four bucks will just run out in the road right in front of you like as you're walking down to the lake and it's like dude in the middle of the day like really yep. <laughs> what 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 is going on here but it's I don't know they they know it's like I don't know well, yeah. it's, it's frustrating. They all have P.O. boxes at the local, you know, 
post office and they just run down, grab the reg book, double check their calendar. And then they're like, time to go guys. <laughs> Seriously, dude. My brother and I were laughing. We're like, we're pretty sure there's only three deer in California and one of them got hit by a truck. So yeah, dude. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, I dude, I got to give it to the guys that go out there and make it happen every year. Like right on to those guys, you know, like, yeah. Put, putting them down, putting the miles in, doing all their research, you know. But like you said, it's like for you and for me is like it it's it's a big learning experience, especially like I mean, you're miles and miles ahead of me cuz I haven't really put put down any effort here in California for big game. But it's like, dude, these guys who do it, you know, they've been hunting for quite some time and I, I mean, I could just imagine how tough it is, you know, especially for because you want to get get out and fill a tag this year, right? Yeah, I, I pretty much have this weekend, and the following weekend I got too much going on. So this is my last weekend, this this coming weekend. So <laughs> we'll yeah, see. are you going to be taking your bow, or are you going to go out with a rifle? Oh, I'm taking my rifle, dude. I don't, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not playing around anymore. The boomstick's coming out. Boomstick's out. Yeah, I, I yep. and I'm not picky, dude. I mean, I eventually, if I get the skill down and I get better, I, I'll be a little bit more picky, but. But yeah, in California, dude. Just I mean, I mean, honestly, I haven't seen a buck since archery season. Really? And, and I mean, I I don't get out. I, I mean, I try to get out as much as I can, but I I don't get out as much as I as I as I want. But I mean, I pretty much I feel like I've been working hard at it, and I yeah, like I said, I've seen I haven't seen a buck since archery season, dude. <laughs> and it's kind of. It, which is kind of embarrassing to say, but I'm just being honest. Like I, I don't, uh, I haven't been backpacking this, this season. And I think I, I'm, I think I bet you next year, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty much probably going to solely backpack hunt next year and just try to get out there just away from everything <laughs> because yeah. you just have to, I think, unless you're lucky. I mean, I could, you could get lucky and run into something, but, in the areas I'm going to, I've seen bucks before. I've I've seen bucks in archery season, and there's there's sign everywhere. Uh, but I just, you know, once the, they they know when the seasons change, man. It's like they, I don't know, a couple, a few shots. And you know what's funny, dude? That brings up a point. Like the last few times I've gone out, a few weekends or whatever. Uh, you know, obviously it's rifle season. You hear. You hear people sighting in their rifles off in the distance, dude, just and not that far away. They're just out there sighting in their rifles. It's like, dude, this is not the time, you guys. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do all our preseason stuff during the season. This is a brilliant idea. Dude, it is drives me nuts. Every single day, dude. It's just driving me insane. I'm like, seriously? You're just you're just firing off your high powered rifle right now, like as I'm as I'm trying to find deer, dude, it's just so frustrating. Like, do that shit before you come up here. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk gear because you talk about backpack hunting. I did. I mean, we did backpack hunting last year in Idaho. This year, we had a base camp and stuff. And I was actually texting a buddy who's out to Montana. Um, he's going out to Montana. Leaves tomorrow, and he's like, "Hey, man, like, what gear did you not bring that you wish you would have brought?" And I was just like. Here's what goes in my pack. Here's how I divvied up food. Here's what's in this Tupperware container. And here's what's in that Tupperware container. Like, boom. So, like, 
when when you go backpack hunting like is there any gear you always 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 want on you or like what's your most crucial piece of equipment besides like your rifle or your bow when you go out um now my inreach uh my garmin inreach is dude it's awesome dude i i i don't know how i don't know why i haven't had it sooner but it's it's nice to be able to it just gives you peace of mind dude and like um when you're you know if anything dude like if you twist your ankle and you're five miles out or more like you're screwed dude yeah (laughs) and so like being able to hit that button or message your wife or whatever letting you let her know you need help or like this like actually this past weekend it was it was which i think i mentioned it in that last podcast but i it was cool because I was getting discouraged and my wife would respond to me like just with encourage, you know, words of encouragement and stuff. And it was, it actually like really helped because, you know, in, in my mind, dude, it's like, man, I'm like, I'm the man of the house. Like I don't want to come out here and just keep wasting time, like spending time away from my family, like not bringing anything home. Like I want to be able to come home and pound my chest and say, yeah, I did that, dude. I got one, but it's like I just keep coming home empty-handed. So, like, when she says, like, go get that buck, it's out there, like, you can do it, you know, it's like, I'm like, hell yeah, you're right. I'm going to I'm gonna get this done, dude, and it just, like, it helps, like, put a little extra pep in my step. Dude, yeah, that support system's crucial. Yeah. But, and then, and then on top of that, which kind of goes hand in hand, but is, I, I don't even know what it's called, but it's just a little recharging unit that, you charge up before you go and it, and then you can recharge your phone or your Garmin or whatever electronic devices you have. Yeah. And that thing, like, I don't even know how long it lasts, but it, I've never ran it all the way down. It, uh, I, I recharge my phone like multiple times. My in reach, I recharge a couple times. I don't even think I've ran it down to 50% yet. And, and I mean, I'm just talking like four days at a time, but it's pretty, pretty legit. Oh yeah, I my brother and I actually got uh, solar chargers. They have three USB outputs on them. We got them off Amazon. Oh yeah, and dude, that I mean, because when we were when we were elk hunting, it was like always on Onyx, you know. And like if you save your offline maps and go on airplane mode, you save a bunch of battery. Yep. But there are some areas where like you peak out, and of course, I'm the kind of guy that's like, I mean, I don't have a Garmin inReach. And I, I, we were talking about buying one, but never drove into town to get one. Yeah. And it's like, if I ever get to like the top, I'm, Hey, I'm checking for service, you know? And it's like, I'll sit there, have a snack. And then I look and I was like, wow, I just drained a lot of battery on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you use like the tracking mode and stuff, which I do quite a bit. Uh, like I was talking to somebody the other day, uh, and, um, um, he mentioned like, especially like if you, if you go scouting an area and then you plan on hiking in, in the dark, um, if you go in during the day to scout it and put your tracker on and then, um, check it out and then you decide, yeah, yeah, I want to come in tomorrow morning or the next, whatever, next time you come out in the dark, you can turn that on and, and save that track and follow that track in, in the dark. That way you know where you're going. Um, Oh, oh yeah. I mean that, I, we use the tracking thing all the time just to measure like distances, but yeah, 
you can get pretty turned around in the dark if you haven't really been there all you know like quite frequently yep so i totally understand that's a smart move to go in during your scouting and put your tracker on and then you come back for you know for the opener or something mid-season and you just hit that same same line and take you where you want to go yeah 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 and then you know every time you use that tracker i think it uses a little bit more battery too so just kind of you know, adding to the subject of recharging and stuff, but, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I, I think of myself as like a gear snob, but I'm, I think we all are to an extent, but like, uh, I, I am like to the point where I have a wife and kids, so I can't, I can't spend like all every dime on, on gear. So like, there's a ton of stuff that I want to get, dude, and like I, I, I try to like I try to be really smart with every purchase I get. So like, but like right now, I mean, all my gear is pretty much like fair weather gear. It's all California like gear. Like I don't have any like heavy winter stuff yet because I just haven't done a hunt like that really. But um, if I ever plan a, a late season hunt in out of state or or wherever, then I'll. I'll invest in some gear and and stuff like that, but uh, I just have a, a pretty lightweight um, synthetic bag, and then uh, you know I think I have a three season. Um, it's a two person tent, which is a little heavier, but I just like I don't know I like comfort, especially like I even ha- I don't know if you've uh, have you used one of those Helinox chairs, those little lightweight chairs. No, but is that, I think I read an article just the other week about, like, a lot of guys taking those in for, uh, for, like, glassing chairs. Yeah, dude, they're, they're dude, because that's been, honestly, like, I, I won't take it on every hunt, but, like, if I, every single day hunt I ever go on, I take that thing with me, because I don't mind carrying a little extra weight, especially, like, a day, like, a day hunt, you're not really carrying a ton of weight, so adding a little lightweight chair is, isn't shit, you know, so, like. Um, but I've, I found over the couple, last couple of years, like if I get to an area that I think I want to glass, like get out the binos and put them on a tripod or something and glass and like spend some time there. Like if I don't, if I can't find a comfortable place to sit, I'm just not going to end up doing it. And I feel like it's important to do it. So I, I feel like if you can be comfortable and, and it gets you to sit there a little bit longer behind the binoculars, then it's probably worth it. So you, you touched basis on your previous podcast about having ADD and not being able to glass as much. Yeah, <laughs> dude, so. I'm the, I'm the same way. Cause it's like, dude, I, I can't like, hike in. you know, you get to the trailhead, whatever you sleep in your truck, you wake up next morning, you hike in real early. And then it's like, for me, I'll glass the first two hours, you know, like first light. Yeah. And then two hours after, and then, like I cannot sit in the same spot until it starts getting dark. Yeah. I go, I, I, I don't know what it is. So it's like, screw, screw this. I'm, I'm moving. We're making moves. Let's go. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that I'm still trying to figure out. Honestly, like, um, again, just being transparent. Like I, I hear some people be like, oh yeah, you need to just stay behind the glass all day long. You just stay there and you pick the area apart. And then you talk to somebody else and they're like. No, you just give it a couple hours. If it doesn't look promising, like get out of there, go somewhere else and check another spot. And then you talk to other people and they're like, 
glass for the first couple hours and then just still hunt the rest of the day until the evening and then go back to that same spot and glass for a couple hours. <laughs> it's like, well, which is it, dude? Because I can't, I don't know. I can't figure yeah. it out. <laughs> dude, that that last part, glass for a couple hours, still hunt, and then come back and glass, that's my kind. Of, that, that's my jam right there. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I am too. And in the, in, the pa- in the past few years, I've been like, I get like obsessed with areas, dude. I'm like, this area just looks good, man. I just like it. It's beautiful. I want to spend some time here, and I just and I stay there, and because I see tracks or whatever. But like, I like I just won't see deer, or I'll see deer every once in a while, and I'll just stay there. But I I need I've I've been finding this season that like the more I move around and the more I go check out different areas the more I find that there's like, there's way better areas out there than, than I realized. Like, like there's, there's other areas that have more water and more feed, way more sign and stuff like that. And I just, I just didn't know it before because I just kept staying in the same spot. More mountain lions, more bears, you know, <laughs> Dude. typical California hunting. You're not the only predator in the woods, right? Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that the, the barrier the bear areas are, they kind of trip me out, man. It's like, I feel like some areas are just, just loaded with them. And then some aren't at all. And there's way more deer, which is, you know, it makes sense. But then, yeah, I don't know. Mountain lions are what scare me. (laughs) Dude. So, so touching back on, on that California hunt where I got a, got heat exhaustion I, I was stopping like every 50 yards, pouring water, you know, trying to drink water, pouring some water on my head. And I was like, dude, I'm burning up. And then I got this eerie feeling and I turned around and I saw a bobcat, right? Like 80 yards, he was 80 yards out, just sitting there watching me. And I was like, okay, yeah, a little bobcat, whatever, no big deal. And uh, I, I was hunting with Brett at the time. And I know Brett, st- I mean, he still gives me shit, but he understands because I bounced out because I was sick as a dog. Um and I kept walking, dude, and I kept getting this really eerie feeling. And I texted Brett, and I was like, hey, man, I'm jamming home. I'm sick as a dog. He's like, all right, whatever. I woke up the next morning, looked on his Instagram, and approximately, like, in the general area where I had stopped the last time and been like, this is really eerie. I feel like something's kind of watching me, you know? You get that sixth sense, kind of. Yeah. yeah. He saw a big mountain lion, just a big old cat just walk on by. Dude. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> okay. I was like, that's pretty wild, all right. Dude, it's weird, huh? Like, I I think that sixth sense, like, is usually, I think there's usually something to it, man. Like, because there's been areas where, like, I can just feel the presence of, of danger or bears or whatever. And, like, and there will be, like, that day I'll run into just, like, a handful of bears, dude, and, like, no deer. And then there's other areas where I'm, like, super low-key, like, I feel fine. Like, everything feels great, and there's a bunch of deer. <laughs> it's like, you can feel it, dude. Yep. It's so weird. And what's funny is we were talking, too, at the trucks the night before. We're sitting there talking, and we're talking about, like, how you can't hunt mountain lions here in California. And uh, I go, dude, I go, I've seen bobcats. I've seen bears. I have yet to see a wolf, and I've yet to see a cat. I really want to see a cat. And then the following day, he sees a mountain lion. <laughs> and I was like, shit, what are the odds there, huh? Oh, man. Dude, did you see that? I'm sure 
anybody, everybody in the country probably saw that video this last week of that mountain lion chasing that dude down the trail. Did you see that? Oh yeah, my, <laughs> I have I have mixed feelings about that guy because from from I mean my perspective is like first off the dude's filming a couple cubs right yeah and I don't know about you but it's like when I see a cub the first thing is like where's the mom yeah. That's that's my first response all the time. And then I'm like, that was in Utah, right? I don't even know where it was. I think I heard that was in Utah. I could be wrong, but I'm like, all right, dude, you're all by yourself. You're going to go running through the woods on your morning run and not have a firearm on you. And now I don't know what their laws or the legality is or anything like that. But whenever I go out into the woods, I would really like to carry a pistol with me. Yeah, And that's like touch bases back on California is how we can't do that is just, it makes no sense to me, but I mean, like it makes an, sense to somebody else, I guess. In archery season. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, that's, it's, it's BS if you ask me. Yep. And I, I just can't, I, I watching that video as I'm sitting there and I'm like, first off, this guy's all out by himself in the middle of nowhere, filming mountain lion cubs, not, not even worried. Like, yeah, like, there there could be a mom around here, you know? He's like, oh, look at this. And the mom comes around the corner, and then he's like, oh, shit just got real. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, what know. did you think was going to happen? They were going to cuddle with you or something? Like, come on, man. Well, dude, I feel like that's like, I feel like hunters are kind of just, we're just aware of it because we, I mean, I've I've, I've never even seen a mountain lion in, in, the, in the wild, but, like, we just know, like, it, with a bear or a cat or whatever, like if you see a baby, like mama's around somewhere, but I think people like that, they're just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I always want to jump to politics. Prone, prone, he's, prone to accidents and just <laughs> well, very <he's>, oblivious. <laughs> well, he's just a, he's just a runner, dude. He doesn't like, you know, like there's, there's people that just take the trail, take to the trails all the time here too. They're just like oblivious, man. Like they're just, they just got their, their running gear, and they're just out for a run. Like, I ran into some guys this scouting season that were – they were on some kind of marathon, dude, and they didn't have water. They ran out of water, and they still had a couple miles to go, and I was like, dude, you guys can have some of my water. And they're like – it was just – it's weird, man. It's like these people don't think. They're just – it's like they've never done it before, and they don't really know <laughs> – they don't know what they're doing. Dude, I say intelligence jumped to generation because <laughs> – like, I mean, look at everything that happened, right? Was it South Dakota or whatever? That lady got attacked by that by that bison, you know? And, I mean, how many bison attacks? Like, how many viral videos do you have to watch of animal-human <laughs> interactions going south yeah. until you become that video? Dude, it's <laughs> it's like they're wild animals, man. They're not they're not freaking cartoons. Yeah, you know I what? don't know. They ex- they expect like Bambi and the mountain lion to just jump out of the aspens and start dancing together, singing a song, you know? Yeah, dude. It's so weird. Uh, it's interesting, that's for sure. It's 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 weird, man. Talking, I don't I don't know why I always want to steer to politics, but I feel like every time I talk to somebody that's on the more left leaning side, and and I'm not necessarily fully right leaning, but like when you when you run into someone that's fully like left leaning. Uh, as far as political side, like, and you talk about hunting, and like, I don't know, man. It's it's like a total disconnect, and I and I understand it because, like I said, like I didn't I didn't come from a hunting family, so even some of my family is like, what you want to hunt a bear? Why why do you want to do that? Like it's it, it's just interesting. 
Dude, I, I, I continuously have discussions with guys who, I mean, whether they're hardcore left or whatever, they just don't understand, um, like the act of conservation. Right. And for, for instance, here, I mean, we could get like hardcore conspiracy theory here, but like, look, look at everything going on. Right. Um, like the ammo shortage here in California right now and stuff like that. And, the, you can't hunt bears with hounds, you know, you can't hunt mountain lions. It's like, it's almost getting to a point to where they're going to be like, okay, like natural has its own ecosystem to maintain a sustainable population now. Yeah. So you can't hunt here. See ya. <laughs> and, and dude, uh, trust me with the way California is going is that I don't think that's far fetched at all. I don't either, so, but honestly, like this, this year, I feel like is is honestly like helping um, the other side. <laughs> or the, I, I don't know, dude. I feel like people are coming to reality and going, oh, oh, shit. Like, this does suck. <laughs> yeah. There is homeless everywhere. And, like, we like, you know, the grocery stores don't always have everything. And, uh, you know, it's like people are, I, th- I think, hopefully, people are starting to wake up a little bit. But we'll see. Dude, touching grocery stores like that. One day I was, during the lockdown, I went and I was like, oh, look, like they have bread today. Like, when the hell have you ever gone into a store and been stoked that they have bread? (laughs) Not just like your specific sourdough or your wheat or your white bread, like just bread in general. Yeah. Like, never in my lifetime. I just burst out laughing. The lady in the aisle next to me was just like, are you okay? And I was like, you have no idea what I was going through my head right now. <laughs> it was like with everything like at one point when they thought the i don't even know if it ever happened but like the meat the tyson chicken factory or whatever was going to shut down and like all of a sudden there was just no chicken anywhere and i was yeah. like dude what <laughs> dude, what is going on here dude it's I, I was like super low-key at first with this whole thing i'm like dude i'm, I'm not like i'm not going to be part of the problem i'm just going to get what i need and blah 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 and like the, when the toilet paper shortage started like our family was kind of helping each other out. We'd like get an extra package here or there and help each other out. And we were all good, but like, I don't know. At one point, maybe it's cause I know I'm such a shitty hunter that I wouldn't be able to find any meat in the wild. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know what, dude, I'm going to fill up my freezer with some chicken, dude. So I turned on my chest freezer and, and started buying a bunch of chicken and stuff and uh, started filling it up. But Dude, that, that toilet paper shortage was hysterical. They were rationing rolls at my local store. Yeah. I was like, this is out of control. It's, so. Yeah, it's worse down where you are because you're uh, down in the North Bay. I'm over, yeah. like, east of Sacramento. So, like, uh, our, our county is a little bit more um, conservative. So, like we've been able to eat out at restaurants for a while now. Like I went to San Mateo in half moon Bay a couple weekends ago and, uh, everybody had to wear masks even outside, dude, like at the beach. I was like, um, this is the freshest air we can get, dude. It's coming off the Pacific ocean and you guys are wearing masks. (laughs) Like what is going on here? Anyway, we're getting off into a, I know, we went down Tangent. one deep-ass rabbit hole, huh? Yeah, it's all good. Everybody's thinking about it. <laughs> I know. I, well, that's like, dude, uh, at work, I'm usually, you know, hey, let's not talk politics, but it's like, 
I got guys that are on the right, guys that are on the left, and guys in between. And I just came to him one day, and I go, all right, listen, we can talk about it. It's happening in the world right now. You know, the second anybody gets super upset and voices start raising, I go, we're going back to work. Yeah. Yeah. I go, we need, you know, and that's how I'm like, I'm pretty neutral. I like to see both sides of it before I make a decision. Same here. You know, but it's like, I'm not hardcore left or extreme hardcore right. You know, I do lean a little to the right, but yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm open-minded, which I think. I think more people are either becoming more open-minded or um, they need to be. So. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely shouldn't be just a two-party system. But, anyways, yeah, that's a that's a rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> yep. So, uh, so where are you? Uh, what What's your plans for the podcast? Or what is your what is your? Um, do you have any main goals or or? Um, Anything like that? What's your uh, what's your what's your plans, dude? I just like to. I can talk hunting for hours, and my wife kind of laughed as I like came in here. She's like, "All right, so I'll see you tomorrow." And I go, "Yeah, I'll <laughs> see you in like six hours, right?" Because she knows, like, I can I can talk hunting till I'm blue in the face. So yeah. I just, dude, I just want to get everybody's kind of opinion. You know, I mean, knowledge is knowledge is king. You know, and it's yeah, it's like if if my if my like little situations or like history or knowledge can help somebody else out, then like right on, you know, I'm all about that. Yeah. You know, and vice versa. Cause I mean, I'm new to big game hunting. So it's like whoever has more, like I always say, uh, you know, I told you earlier is a mile on the ground is knowledge earned. Yeah. You know? Yep. And, uh, I'm always a big fan of like listening to other guys, stuff like all, all their recommendations whether it be on gear just anything habitat states you know and i learned a lot i was listening to a remy warren podcast before idaho and yeah. my my brother he he works in the office and i joke with him i go you got soft feet you know yeah and uh <laughs> dude he started getting a hot spot and i looked at him and i go hey i was listening to remy warren podcast and he said he started talking about don't use moleskin, use duct tape. My brother was like, you're crazy, dude. And I go, would you give it a shot? What's the worst that can happen, you know? Dude. And he did, and the whole entire trip, he wore duct tape. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah swears swears by it. He's like, that was amazing. I go, that was good, huh? I was like, you need to get harder feet now because you're running out of duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that's me now, dude. Like, I, So, yeah, for the <laughs> listeners, dude, you and I are both electricians, uh, I I was in the field forever, but like for the past maybe three years, four maybe almost four years I've been in the office, dude, and that it's dude, it's bad, dude. Like once you once you stop working on your feet, dude, it, you turn into just a lop of shit, man. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. excuse my language, but sometimes it's just I don't know, man. Like it you just get soft, dude. It's true, man. Like I now more than ever, I need to like work. I need to like get back to working out and like getting on my feet. Like, like I actually enjoy working. Out. I I stand up all day, even though I'm working at a computer. I like I can't I can't just sit down, dude. It sucks. It's horrible for your body. Yeah. Do you have an adjustable table? Yeah, at work I have an yeah. adjustable desk, and then lately, since I've been working at home since co- I mean it's kind of on and off right now, but at home I just. I have a tall dresser, dude, and I just put my laptop on there with a couple screens, and I just stand there all day long. 
Yeah. Sometimes I wear my Crocs. <laughs> with socks or no? <laughs> are you a Crocs with socks guy? Are you a two-wheel drive or a four-wheel drive? Four-wheel drive, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... uh yeah, well, like back to the talk and hunting thing and how you could just talk for hours. Like you and I hadn't even ever talked before. Besides, I mean, we've te- we've like messaged back and forth, but like, yeah, today, like we just started talking and like, dude, we could. T- it's it's weird how like hunting just brings people together. You could talk to people that are have the same interests as you as far as hunting goes for forever, dude. Like, it's like an instant like friendship. Yeah, it's like a bond, dude. And a disclaimer to the listeners is I have no idea who this guy is, but he's hella cool. So <laughs> just going to put that out there. Likewise, bro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, dude, I, I was at work one day, and there was this guy walked by, and he's staring at me, and I'm wearing, like, I got a QU neck gator, you know, because and I don't want to really wear a full-grade respirator and face mask like some people. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So I got my QU neck gator on and this guy walks by, he's got a brand new QU hat and I look and I go, Hey man, I like the hat. And he looks at me, and he goes, is that bird eye? And I go, yeah, it is. And he goes, Oh, you hunt? I go, yeah, you too. Dude, we talked bow hunting. That guy just went to, I think it was Michigan or something like that for his like family's property for like 10 days. And I talked about my Idaho elk hunt and it was just like in the middle of San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, dude. It, yeah, that's funny. Especially in Frisco. You don't run into too many of those there. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, dude. So, so what What do you say? Let's, uh, let's see. I got dream hunt written down here. So what would be your dream hunt if any species, any location, kind of like a, a pipe dream hunt, you know? Um... Probably something in New, in New Zealand, dude. Like, uh, or I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, are you talking big game or or waterfowl? Anything, man. I mean, I I don't know. Well, let's okay. Let's. That was a really broad question. Let's break this up into sections. Then, what would be your dream big game hunt? Oh shit, that's a good question. Uh. I don't know, man. I've been I've really been wanting to do an axis deer bow hunt in, in Hawaii. Um but I also really want to go to New Zealand. And I don't even honestly know that I care what species it is. I just want to go to New Zealand and hunt. <laughs> dude, dude, fuck, we are all we are on the same page. There. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I was talking to my wife and and we're like trying to figure out when to go to hawaii you know and she's like oh you could go hunt hawaii and i was like well they do have like just axis gear like rats down there so yeah sounds good to me yeah dude i i want to do that for sure i know it's tough i mean anything bow hunting is tough and i've heard the axis deer just switched on like crazy and they're super hard to get within range of but but i i'm down i want I, i definitely want to do that at some point what about a, what about waterfowl? Do you have any dream species hunt for waterfowl? Oh, as far as like specific waterfowl species? Yeah. I don't know, dude. Not really. I, I honestly like, uh, I don't know, like Harlequin maybe or something. But like, I like, uh, I don't know. For me, it's, for waterfowl hunting, I think it's more, well, I guess for both. It's more like the, just the experience, like, the actual duck doesn't necessarily matter, I don't think. But 
Um, like, I mean, would it be like a really nice flooded corn hunt? Would it be a sea duck hunt? I, I honestly, I really like hunting out of boats, dude. I think it would be fun to go to go to Arkansas, like like Stuttgart or something, and go to the flooded timber or something like that. But I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of those snakes that they <laughs> that they have down there, dude. Those freaking water fucking rattlesnakes or whatever they got swimming everywhere. I'm good with yeah. that. Like those yeah, cotton heads or whatever. Off. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> um, what's uh? I can't think of. I'm drawing a. I'm drawing a blank on what the dude's name is. Uh, super well known waterfowl hunter that's got property. Uh, he's, he has property in Canada and in like, I can't remember, dude. Is he run a guide? Is that, uh, what is that? Is that Claudio Angaro? His big guide service up there. Oh my God. I can't believe him. It's so funny, dude, because like when I first started getting into waterfowl hunting, I used to watch these shows and stuff all the time, dude. Like I was on it and like now... Now I've the last few years I've just been like just struggling so much with big game hunting that my focus has just been like like blurred. It's all skewed. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't think of the guy's freaking name, dude. It's driving me nuts now. Like like Chad Belding is friends with him and like Fred Zink and all those guys are like friends with this guy, but he's like he he yeah, it's a guide company. It's a he has his own property that he like I don't know. I can't think of his name. Just like now. a massive duck factory. Well, it's like, I mean, it's like he he farms it and he like he just he just it's basically a farm and he just he just uh, whatever um, gets it gets gets the habitat ready for whatever for the season and uh, no, Tony Vanderborn. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, exactly. Habitat flats. Yeah. Yep. Like going yep. just going to something like that, dude, and just hanging out with those guys and having dinner and drinks and just going on some hunts during the day and just killing it and just hanging out with legends like that. It'd be fun. Some good, like good dogs, like well-trained dogs, dude. Well-trained dogs to me, honestly, like that is what like that, that, that is like the pinnacle to me is like hunting with good dogs. Even if, even if the hunt's bad, like hunting with a well-trained dog is awesome. Yeah. But I I really like hunting on a boat. Um, yeah, because I mean, I only dude I got was that two two years ago. I got drawn for Tule Lake. I had a guy who was like, "Yeah, I'll put in for Tule Lake. Do this." So I did. I put in for Tule Lake Marsh, not knowing that. Oh yeah, you need a boat. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, got drawn, you know, and told my other two buddies, I go, "Hey." you guys should put in for this, you know, and didn't learn, like didn't know their party system, whatever they didn't want to put in. So ended up, they got, they got drawn for lower Klamath that year. I got drawn for Thule Lake and I was like super stoked on that. And then found out I needed a boat and I was like, well, well I'm SOL right now. I went on Craigslist, found a $900 boat with a mud motor <laughs> that really? ran, went up, bought it like the next day came back, borrowed a buddy's trailer, and took it up there. Really? <laughs> yep, swear to God. Oh, dude. How'd you guys do? It was, dude, I, like, when it comes to duck hunting, it's like, I mean, if you if you look on my Instagram, you're not going to see just, like, limits, 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 limits. Like, I'm, I'm picky, but I'm not, dude. Like, how we were talking earlier is, like, I have no problem shooting seven Drake Spoonies any day. Yeah, you yeah. Know? 
But for some reason, dude, is teal. I'm not a fan of shooting teal. Like, they're fun to shoot, but it's like, oh, wow, like I wasted one bird for my limit for, you know, a third of a bird. Yeah. That's how I look at it. So it's like, y'all hold out all day and just pass on teal and stuff and be like, I know those mallards are going to fly. And then they never do. So. Yeah. Kind of got to take what you can get, I guess, out here. But, yeah, it was it. It was cool, dude. Like, I could have shot on the first day, like, seven cinnamon teal, like that. But I was like, no, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to wait for some mallards. Shot yeah. a couple mallards, got a couple cracks on some specks, and then that was it. But then my buddies who late put in after I, I did, they ended up getting, going to lower Klamath and just banging them up. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but that I guess uh, that, was a, that was a really hard water year for that refuge. So, I mean, it was like, dude, trying to go and scout, like, any little bit of water, you pull up, and there's six trucks behind you, and everybody's standing in the bed with binos, and you're just kind of like, all right, at this point, let's just put our names in a hat and have fucking warden draw it, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I hate, like, I'm a big fan, and I think think a lot more, like, duck hunters here in California should kind of adopt this mentality is... I've had so many run-ins at the refuge where it's like, hey, like, this is our spot and whatnot. It's like, dude, if, if you want to kill birds, I want to kill birds. Let's get together. Let's both kill birds together. Yeah, for sure, dude. I'm and, good. like, I, I've done that, dude. Like, walked a whole refuge and finally went back to this one spot where uh, I ended up on this one on this one tule patch I shot on a Wednesday, which, I mean, I ripped up a couple, like, five gaddies and two specks. And a uh, bull sprig that day on a Wednesday. Yep. And uh, I walk back in and I go, I bet you this side's all blown out. So I came back in and I look and there's, you know, people can use spinners. So you know where everybody is because everybody has a spinner. So yeah. I go to the guy, the guy who's sitting in the same tooly patch I was. And I was like, finally just burned out. And I go, hey, man, is it just you out there? And he's like, yeah. I go, F it. Can I come hunt with you? And he goes, big pause you know like yeah screw it let's do it i go all right cool so come in i go hey man if you want to throw my decoys out throw my other spinners out like if you want to just take all of my stuff and make it work for you i was like go for it you know and he only had one more bird for his limit and i mean that's like that kind of stuff is i think what more hunters need to adopt especially at the wildlife refuge man because you can walk that whole entire refuge in a day yep yeah, and you know? if you're already if it's like coming up on you know daylight or you're running you're running late or whatever and you're trying to get out there and get set up and like yeah if you're close to somebody dude like you know you could if you if you stay separated it's going to be frustrating and you're going to be too close and like you know you're going to be battling against each other yeah it's, you're probably just better off just like you said like just join up with them or whatever and even if even if they I don't know. The frustrating thing, dude, is if they have a really shitty dog or they're really bad at knowing when to call and they're really bad at calling or something, dude, it's, it's yep. so frustrating. But like, but you, but if you think about it, like if you're, if you're not with them and you're really close to them, they're going to be screwing up your hunt anyway. So you might as well get in there and try to, you know, you might make a, you might make a hunting buddy out of it or, or whatever. They might be, they might be legit. So it's probably worth just hunting with them. Dude, I still I still text that guy to this day, and that was three years ago or something like that. Nice. And, like, we've never hunted together since then, but, you know, like, those small little things like that, you know, I mean, 
Yeah. I, I don't know. It's frustrating to me when it's like, I've been at the refuge too. And my buddy and I last year were at a, we're at a little refuge in the Valley. And this kid, this kid came up out of nowhere. We got in, in the morning lotto, you know, went in, we shot, I think it was, we were at the 11 or 12 birds, some, some gaddy, widgeon, sprig, mallard, um, and some teal. And this guy came up out of nowhere. And all I heard was like the classic little like decoy, like bloosh, you know, when it hits the water. <laughs> yeah. And I, I look at my buddy and I was like, what the hell is going on? You know, and I come out of this little patch we've been sitting in all morning and this kid starts yelling at us like, hey, I saw you guys creep in. And I'm just like, all right, I'm not in the mood for this right now, man. Yeah. And he just was like, I saw you guys. I saw you guys. I go, yeah. I go, yeah. No, we've been here all morning, bud. You know, like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> I go, well, I, I go, what are, you, what are you doing? You know, he had no idea we were there and then tried putting the blame on us. And I was like, come on, check out these birds. And then he came, saw a pile of dead birds and was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, don't be so hot headed, man. Just come on in, you know, be peaceful. Like, yeah. we can work this out. Like, you want hot ducks? You got a dog? Is your dog good? Okay. You know, jump in the tulip patch next to me. Make sure your dog's, you know, not going to break. So, yeah. <laughs> I think I think every hunter out here needs to kind of come together and just like understand we're all in this together and it doesn't always have to be a freaking competition. Yeah. Well, dude, like yeah, like last this 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 past season there was this dude at uh where was I? I think I was at was I at Howard? I can't remember if I was at Howard or LDC, but I think I was at Howard. Yeah, I was at Howard and uh this dude he just walks up and he's like Hey, hey, do you want to do you want to hunt? Or he's like, "What number do you got?" And I, I had like a a lotto number. I don't know what it was. And he and he's like, he's like, "Well, do you want to do you want to hunt with me?" I got reservation number one. I was like, "Uh, yes." <laughs> like, like, yeah, dude. So I just freaking yeah, I just joined up with him and his dog, and we had a pretty good hunt, dude. I got to I, I learned a new hole and learned like the, the mallards were working it like. Like a lot of mallards were working it pretty good. We were we were a little off. We didn't limit out or anything, but we were kind of off the off the X or whatever in that area. But um, but we kind of learned it a little bit. It was it was cool. That's that's awesome, dude. Because like, I mean, I like me, my brother, and my other two buddies is like we all put in for reservations, you know. And it's like whoever gets drawn, kind of like hey, like this guy brought brought me on a reservation so i technically owe him a hunt so he's on the card and then this guy's never been before so hey come on you know like we divvy it up all together so yeah that, i've never had that instance where you're pretty much like at the check station a guy's like hey what are you doing want to go hunt yeah <laughs> like, dude it was a trip i was like really he's like he's like yeah i got number one none, none of my buddies wanted to come and i'm like uh and, and they were like about to call reservations and i was like uh yeah dude <laughs> let's do it yeah that's killer yeah it's cool man but so so you said you never ran a jj Lairs? no man you, i don't you know message me that and... yeah i don't know why like i like just i bought a new call last season uh bought a zinc nothing but green like the M- mbg or whatever nothing but green it's like a like the tone board on it is like a cha- there's it's like a notch channel so it doesn't stick like the your, your saliva doesn't stick on the reeds and stuff so yeah it's like, got spit grooves on it yeah dude and it and i i actually love it i mean it was an expensive call i think i don't remember what it cost i think it was like 120 
it was close to a, like a layers call, like as far as cost wise and quality wise. But, um, and I love it, dude. I don't have a reason to get rid of it yet, but I I do kind of want to have two calls on my on my lanyard, so I might get another one. And yeah, layers has always like been on my list. I just I've just never for whatever reason broken down and got one. I got an extra one. What? Yeah, I actually do. It's a small bore T1 though. I don't even know what's uh <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> So um that that link I posted on on my Instagram and my story, that was from a uh, Upper Duck and they sell some of the most badass JJ Lairs calls I've ever seen on the market. Uh-huh. Um and I sent you the picture of that one uh the guy who owns JJ Lairs Brett Crow made me. Yeah. And uh it's essentially that. I'll send you more pictures later. I'll show you the difference on the insert size, like on the exhaust of it. Um, and then, yeah, if you want to borrow that, dude, go ahead. Like, we could meet up in the valley, grab some beers, hunt together, and I'll let you check that out for a bit. Yeah, and it just cool. It sits on my shelf, so it's like just sitting there collecting dust. I, I occasionally just grab it, do a couple little feed chuckles, and that's it. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know it's... Sometimes you just do you do you carry two uh, mallard hen calls on your lanyard or just one? Yeah, um, it's funny because I'm in my spare bedroom, which is like my hunting closet now. My yeah. calls are right right next to me, so I have a went on a JJ Lairs T1 that big bore with a one three one five uh, reed, and then um, that's just like a short square square reed, no dog ears on it, and then um. I have a basin from a, I think his name's Dave, Dave Basin, um, half pint. That's a nice one too. Is that, then, like, uh, a, is that like Sutter Basin calls or something? Or? No, so Sutter Basin is a Gene Carter, super cool dude, super cool dude. I love Gene. He's a really nice guy. And uh, he uh, he came out with the, uh, what was that, the 1-5, yeah. He came out with um, his new call a couple years ago called the 1-5. And I messaged him, I think on Instagram, and that's dude. Social media is a blessing and it's a curse at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I messaged him. He's like, "Hey, yeah, you know, like, now I told him I wanted to buy two for my buddies for Christmas presents, and he's like, "Yeah, sure, dude. Like, come on by. You know, are you gonna be in the valley this weekend?" I go, "I'm actually headed up right now," and he goes, "Swing by my house at like eight o'clock or something at night here, you know." And he sat there and he hand tuned them and everything and. I like those calls. I just like, for me, like every call is, every call is different. Like what works for me won't work for somebody else and vice versa. Yeah. Like, and yeah, like a perfect example is like he tapered out the exhaust with a hand taper, um, a little bit more in one than the other. And I mean, that just changes the call X like exponentially. You would never realize that such a minute little call. It's a really great call. I like it a lot. It's just, I I got my JJ Lairs. It runs real well. I love it. You know, haven't yeah. had a problem with it. So, hell yeah. But but yeah, Basin calls the guy. I think he's out of Oregon. I think it's Dave Basin. Little half pint, real quiet, soft call. Um, the insert and tone board's probably like, I don't know, less than a quarter inch away from the end of the barrel. So it's really like. Guys can wail on them. I'm not a big fan of sitting there and just like highballing birds either. I do most of my killing silent with a Drake whistle. So yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, one reason I like that zinc call I got is like I feel like I can 
I'm the same way. I don't get too loud, but like you can get somewhat loud with that thing, and then you can you can get real soft, dude. Like when they start coming in a little bit tighter, like you can just you can just like ease it and just like get real like soft and just like it's it's like a I don't know, dude. To me, it, it feels like magic at the moment. You know, you're just like sweet talking them in, dude, and they're like they start cupping up and dropping their feet down, and you're like, hell yeah, dude. I dude, that's. That's like when I was talking to you earlier about um, my Washington hunt because I'm going back up there. It was like that perfect example. You'd hear you'd hear the hen kind of just like sound off above you in the fog, you know, hear a couple drakes just whistling, and yeah. then you just hit him hit him with a really soft like meh, 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 real soft, real subtle. Yeah, six six of them come out of the fog, and you're like, oh wow, okay, like this, you know, this is gonna get real good, and then like sixty of them behind him. And it was like, oh, wow. Okay, okay, you know? And I mean, they just wanted like soft little chuckles, soft little like welcoming hen calls. And it was just like, you know, okay, you're up. Go shoot that green head. Yeah. See, there's nothing better, dude, when it's it's that good. So, so awesome. Dude, we did a guided hunt that same trip too. And uh, the guide looked at us and goes, he goes, you know, a lot of guys from California come up here, and they get hunts out of here, and they just sit there, and they wail on the calls. And he goes, but you boys, you boys can fucking call. And I was like, that was like a big boost to my confidence, because I was like, dude, like, this guy's been guiding for 35 plus years, you know? like Yeah. And we're just talk, talk, you know, bed talk is what I say. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Like, uh, that reminds me, like, that dude that invited me on his resi number one, like, He's a dude that I think he actually, he actually, actually, yeah, he, he guides, uh, I think he guides big game on a ranch or something up in, up above Santa Rosa somewhere. I can't remember what his name was, but, um, yeah, it was the same thing. Confidence level for me or confidence booster for me. Cause like, you know, typically I'm hunting with my buddies and whatever, like we just call and nobody really says shit to each other. But like, he was like, he, he was like, uh, he's like, damn dude you sound really good with that call, man. And I'm like, thanks bro. Like, I don't know. It just felt good to like hear somebody new, like that was experienced, like give you, give my, give me a compliment like that with that new call. I was like, okay, cool. Cause sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't know what you sound like, dude. So like when I'm driving or, or whatever, if no one's home, I'll just like practice with my call and record myself and then listen to it just to see. Cause dude, I've done that before and realized how shitty I sounded. And then, and then I, since I've gotten better, like I do the same thing and like, you kind of, you kind of get to know what you actually sound like instead of just assuming that you sound good in your head. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, dude. I know because you could be like, I sound great. And then you go out there and every bird in a 500 mile radius is flaring. Yeah. (laughs) And I've, I've had those days, dude. It's so funny. We're, we're kind of brutal. Like, I mean, my, my two buddies that got me into duck hunting, they, they, uh, it was, you know, sink or swim. Yeah. And it was like, you know, duck season came around. I was like, check it out. I got this new call. And they're like, that's great. You're not going to use it till after the season. And it was like, what? You know? And they're like, just <laughs> sit, sit, sit back and sit back and learn, you know? So like, dude, driving in and out of the city every day is 40 minutes one way. And I mean, with traffic coming on home, it's probably like an hour and a half. So it's just like blasting through reads like no other. Just like, oh, I need another read. need another read. Yeah. And it was just like finally learned, dude. And like, 
we get brutal to each other sometimes in blind where we're just like, Hey man, just put it down. You're done. <laughs> you know, like, dude, like just sit back and pull the trigger, bud. Dude, I, I, I mean, I feel like that's how it should be, dude, to be honest with you. Cause there's times when like, I don't know, it's uncomfortable sometimes. Like if, if your buddy, I don't know, it depends on how your buddy responds, but like, it's hard to tell people sometimes like, dude, you sound like crap, bro. Like, mm-hmm. so if you have like a good enough relationship with your hunting partners that you can like be honest and say that, I, I think it's a good thing, dude. Uh, dude, I, I've seen guys grab calls and throw them into the freaking field. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, okay. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's you know, funny. It, it's like, you know, like how you were talking about sighting in your rifle in the middle of the season. That's such a horrible idea. Is like you do not practice calling when you're out hunting. You practice calling for the nine months that you don't get to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, dude. It's like, and the you just don't go out there. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't picked up these calls in nine months. Like, I'm just gonna call all these birds in. Yeah, dude, I know. So. Yep, it's it's important, man. Like I know la- last season, because like a couple years prior to last season, I like I said, my dog was health was bad and stuff, so I wasn't hunting much. And last season, I had like I I think I hunted, I hunted a couple times with new people last season, and I hadn't called in a while, dude. And I it's it sucked, dude, because I I wasn't pra- I didn't practice in the off season, so I wasn't really ready, and I was like embarrassed to really start trying to call because i just hadn't done it in a while and so i just i just used my whistle dude and it just it was uncomfortable i should have been like i should have been practicing all season and i should have been ready but i wasn't so but i mean i knew better i knew not to just start freaking blowing on the thing like an idiot but yep but i mean what's like what what's like i mean you want to talk some waterfowl tactics? We got time. We're like a, a shit in an hour and ten or something like that. We'll edit half this stuff out. The, or not half, but yeah, the first time. 15 out. Yeah, dude. So, yeah. so, dude, I'm a big believer in, like, adjustments for everything. And, like, my buddies can't stand it because I'm the kind of guy that's like, we have to change the spread. Put the spinner out here. Put the spinner on cycle, you know. Pull the spinner. Add a jerk cord. Take the jerk cord out put two decoys here and one there and then turn this one. So, you know, I'm that guy like, yeah. And, and you know, whether it works or not, I don't know, but you know, it's just like those little subtle things. I'm just always like, Oh no, like this wobbler is not right. We need to push him out four inches to the left, you know? Yeah. No, I think it's the way to be, dude. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm as anal as that, but I do like changing things up, dude. Cause if it's not working right off the bat, then then something's wrong. Like you got to change it, dude, because they all, they all kind of react the same way. I mean, if it's working, it's working. And if it's not, it's not right. That's how yep. I see it. Yep. And like, and like, I mean, I took that to an extreme, like moving a wobbler four inches, but I'm the same way. It's like, get down, see the first, like first little flight. And it's like, yep, I haven't pulled the trigger. It's 15 minutes after shoot time. Like we need to adjust right now. Yeah. Yep. I'm the same way. Uh, I might be a little lazier than you, but yeah, I, I like to change things up, but I, I, uh, also, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on my podcast. I haven't really done too many waterfowl episodes yet. I've been kind of wanting to do more as the season gets, gets closer and we're, we're pretty much there now, but, (laughs) um, like, so I, I have a, 
so like with with my decoys, like I I like to tie I tie half of them off in the front of the keel, and then I tie half of them off in the back of the keel. Smart. And then I just mix, and they're all mixed up, you know. So like, so like when the wind blows, they're not all facing the same direction, and it doesn't look like fake as hell, right? Like it just looks real, like they're all facing different directions. Yep. And that's like one one thing like an old timer taught me that I think a lot of people don't know because some, some decoys don't come with a hole in the back. So, like, I'll drill. If they don't, I'll just drill a hole in the back of the keel and tie my weight on in the back on half of them. Yep, that's smart because, like, the same thing could be said, like, when guys set up jerk cords, you know, is, like, they'll put, like, rested, like resting decoys on a jerk cord, you know, or, like, training birds on a jerk cord and it's like you should probably put feeders or active swimmers yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm the same way though is you have to make it as realistic as possible because when you go out and you see the birds roosted up right or they're training you know they're not really moving so yeah and it's like the same thing you said is you might see that one occurrence where like there's a six pack of puddle ducks and they're all going the same way you know yeah. But it's highly unlikely that, like, you're going to go out through rice flying and the wind's going to be blowing from the south and every decoy is going to be moving, you know, the same freaking direction. Yeah, and if they are, if they are all face the same direction, then it looks like they're nervous about something behind them and they're all swimming away. So it doesn't look yep. like a comfortable situation for ducks to want to land in there. So, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I look at it. That's kind of how I was taught, but... Um, and then I don't know, like I need to add more motion to my spread. I just, I have like a mojo. I have an old school mojo do with metal wings and shit. Like it, it's pretty, I mean, it's probably freaking 12 years old or more, 13 years old. I don't know. Yeah. I have the Disneyland of motion ducks. It's ridiculous. Do you? Yeah. I need oh, to yeah, more, I've, dude. I have, a I ju- have so many goddamn mojos that it's a pain in the ass to charge all the batteries. Yeah. See, like I have, I only have one dude, and I have a jerk, and then I have a jerk cord, uh, and I have some wind whackers, but like, and then like you know, but usually you're with a buddy, and then he has like a mojo and some some other things too, or whatever, and it it ends up working out. But if you go solo, like I don't know, I need to upgrade my my setup a little bit. Hey man, if it works right, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, but so. I'm the same way though, man. I just small, small, minute adjustments. But like you said earlier, was like I'm a gear guy, so it's like Mojo came out with their like King Mallard, and I was like, I need one. Yeah. <laughs> went, <laughs> went and got one, and I was like, I love that thing. Actually, it's really nice. Battery lasts a long time. The battery, the battery tray's super convenient too. So yeah. And then um, the Spoonzilla too. Have you seen those? Yeah, I've seen it. I have <laughs> with the big old eyes. Mm-hmm. Or the teeth or whatever sticking out. Yep, yep. Yeah. Dude, I have I have one of those my buddy got me for Christmas. I love that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get a what do you what do you use before mojos are legal? Like during non motorized wing spinning season or whatever? Uh wind ducks. But here's what's here's what's funny, and I'll give a little insight to some guys on this, is that in the regs, and I've asked wardens this many times, and in the regs it says if the wings rotate, you know, through any manpower, so it's not only electric, right? Uh-huh. So they actually make decoys that are kind of like a jerk cord, 
and you pull on it with a jerk cord and the wings spin and you let go and the wings spin, like those are illegal here in the state of California before uh, November, December 1st, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think this, it's December 1st. Yep, yeah, I think so. But if if you get like a butt kicker, like a water splasher, it's 100% legal. Yeah, or like the little, yeah. Yep, exactly. That's what, and that's what I need to start looking at is like more stuff like that, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know what's what's really inexpensive and uh, I think it's a pretty good deal. And I've I've seen other other guys use them. I don't, I don't have them yet, but they're like those little pucks. It's like a little brown puck, and it has like just a little wing on top that spins. And they have I can't think of what they're called, but. I, th- I think it's considered a motorized spinning wing, but it is. They're like they're a flock of flickers. Yeah, yeah, those things are cheap, dude. And they're, dude, they're I think I, they come in packs of like four or six or something. Yeah, I know a guy that actually he'll take like um, he's a big fan of like Higden. Higden uh, makes okay. apparently super quality uh, foam filled decoys, and what he'll actually do is he'll drill with a hole saw in the back of it, the perfect diameter to fit one of those flock of flickers in. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and when December 1st comes around, it's just like, it's a party of just, like, birds with flock flickers in their backs. It's pretty cool to see. Oh, okay. Interesting. So he just, like, drills a hole a little bit, just kind of shallow in the back of it and sets that thing on top of it? No, like, it sits inside because the whole decoy's foam, right? So he'll, like, take a hole saw, like, let's say, like, a a three-inch hole saw. And he'll hole saw that out and then just chip away all the foam in there. So the the flock of flicker actually sits down in the decoy. Okay. Huh. So Interesting. Yeah. It like small little things like that that it's like you seriously do that and then you see it work and you're like, Oh wow, like this is a whole another level I've never even thought about. Yeah, man. Yeah, because a lot of days <laughs> probably more days, you know, I think most days are not windy, it seems like, and you just need something, man. Like, sometimes, like, I, I don't know, I get, on days like that, I get sick and tired of pulling the jerk cord, but I know the jerk cords work, and they th- I think they always will, but, uh, and I'll always have one, but it's like, I need more than that. Dude, I, I am a big believer in jerk cords, 100%. Yeah. I, you need to stir that water up and get it kind of like chocolate milk. Yeah. You know, and it's like, if you can add those ripples, like, real hard in the water to actually, you know, give some more action to the remaining decoys you have that aren't, you know, on a jerk cord, they're just simple floaters. Yeah. Like, I I think jerk cords are the way to go, 100%. I think that it just adds that little finishing touch, dude, because it's like a spinner, right? I mean, when December 1st happens, like we were talking earlier, is you can walk out into the refuge or into the marsh and be like, oh, there's a group over there, a group over there, a group over there, a group over there, you know? And by the time the birds get down here, they've practically seen it all. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, that's why it's like, yeah, you can... I'm a big believer, too, in running spinners with uh, remotes, like the King Mallard I have. Yeah. And, uh, like, every other mojo I have, besides the Spoonzilla, like, all have a remote to cycle them or turn them on and off. And once you kind of get their attention turn that thing off and just work that jerk cord. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's just like that finishing little like cherry on top. And it's like, okay, we got him in, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. Hey, have you seen those, uh, 
what are they called? Do you do you follow that guy named Kirk McCullough? No. Um. Or it looks like his page says cut down, but it's like a. Uh, yeah, his name is Kirk. And then McCullough, but he's on Instagram. But like, he it looks like he's in, I don't know if he's invented this thing already. It looks like it. It looks like he's selling them, but it's like it's basically looks like a jerk cord. But these these ducks, like the decoys, like it's called a chaser shaker, hmm. a mallard chaser shaker. And these in the mallard, like the the decoys, like did they like kind of uh, really intensely like chase each other back and forth, dude. And it looks, it kind of looks, it's a little extreme, but it puts a ton of, it took a ton of motion and a ton of waves and ripples in the water. And like, it looks like the ducks are kind of like fighting each other off. Like it almost looks like kind of like a late season thing. Like where two mallard drakes would be like fighting over the hens or something. Do you know, uh, do you know motion ducks? Yeah. Yeah. Those, those like, it's it's like a jerk cord, but, I mean, imagine, like, a hockey puck in the center, and then it's got four little bars that stick off, and you can clamp them together to make, like, ultra super tuggers, pretty much. Yep. I I run that year-long. Oh, I do love you? Those. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and it's nice, too, because you can pretty much wrap all your stuff around and then just carry it out. It's like carrying four decoys on a pole on your back, so you don't have to worry about carrying, like, an extra decoy bag or something. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at always, it right now. I, I always lose those though, left and right. I leave them at the club, and then it's like somebody else takes them, and then I'll never see it again. So, <laughs> what the the motion duck thing? Yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah. Just, you just forget them or something? No, it's like uh, you know, my buddy, my buddies, and I. You know, we bring people up there, and it's like they'll come up and use it, and somebody will leave it out, and you know, they'll yeah. leave it out the refuge, and then you're like, hey, where's my motion duck thing? And they're like, what do you mean? And you're like, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, you, you used it last. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I don't remember. And then it's like this ongoing look, you know, like ongoing search for this thing, and I'm like, it's screw it. Good thing I have another one in the truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I actually, I've been looking at those, too. I need to, yeah, um, I need to... Uh... Man, the season's freaking here already, isn't it? Opens up this Saturday. It's crazy. For balance of the state, at least. I know in the northeast zone, they've already been shooting them. Yeah. I know, dude. It's always such a freaking... It's. It, I don't know, man. I, I, I always want to go, but I'm always, like, stuck on deer still. It's like I can't... For a while, for a, for a while there with the fires, I thought like I thought deer season was over, so I was I was already like my mindset was already switching over. But then all of a sudden, the fire, the closures and stuff kind of let off, and I was like, oh, okay, deer season's still here. I need to refocus. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Need to get back on the. Uh, I got one season left of deer, and then I'll be after the ducks here. I got a new shotgun. I'm excited, dude. I got the, I don't, I mean, the Browning Maxis has been around for a while, obviously, but like, it's new to me. I just bought it. I haven't even shot it yet, to be honest. And that's pretty, pretty unlike me. I should probably go shoot it and pattern it before I go. <laughs> dude, I, I have a brand new 300 Win Mag that I've never fired around in and I've owned it for a couple of years now. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. It's pretty sad, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, I need to. I want to at least practice with it a little bit. I mean, it feels good. It feels natural in my hand. That's why I bought it. I've for the past few years I've been 
holding that thing in the shop and just feeling it. It feels good to me in my hand. And, like, I like the way those things reload. A lot of people don't realize, like, those Browning Maxis is, like, if if the action is open and you re- you can reload, if you reload through the bottom, like the first shell, it'll it automatically closes the action and, and pulls the shell up into the end of the action and, and loads it. Really? So like you can load all three shells from the bottom and it, and it automatically loads that first one into the chamber. Hmm. So it's, That's it's, crazy. Just, it's just a little bit quicker, but I mean, it's so minimal. It's not a big deal, but <laughs> it's kind of cool. Dude, that, that's how I, I mean, it's, I got a question. Did you go into the store and you're like, I like this thing and then came in the store again. Like, I really like this thing. I just kept doing that and doing that. And then finally you just pulled the trigger on it and was like, yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah. I mean, it's been a, it's been a year or two since I've looked at them, but for a couple of years ago, I was looking at them and I wanted them. And then I just, dude, to be honest with you, it's pretty, so I already knew I liked them, but I went in whatever, a month or two ago and I went into sportsman's and here in town or whatever and i was like i was like yeah let me see that and they uh, and, uh, and they're like well you can look at it but you can't touch it because th- those are our covid rules you can't touch any of the gun any of the guns and i'm like i'm like really i can't touch it like how am i supposed to know that i want to buy it if i can't like put it up on my shoulder and look down the <laughs> look down <laughs> and see if it feels good dude like what are you talking about i can't i can't touch it like then i can't buy it then if i can't touch it dude like what do you I don't know, but yeah. I, I was kind of irritated, but at the same time, I already knew I liked it, so I just, I ended up, I just bought it. Hell yeah. So. That's how I was with my A400, <clears throat> I shoot a uh, Beretta A400 Extreme, and yeah. it it was like, dude, I just like go into the store and be like, oh, okay, like I really like this gun, you know, shouldered a couple times, come back a month later, do the same thing, and finally I was like, if I come back here again. And it's still there. I'm just going to do it, you know? And the guy was like, yeah, I kind of laughed. And then I came back. It was the same dude. I go, I'm here to get it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I like that thing. Well, I'm sold on it. Let's do it. And he was like, all right, cool, man. So, yeah. Yeah, they're pricey, but I mean, it's, I don't know. It's it's worth it, I think. for Dude, for, for uh, since I started duck hunting, I've shot a pump the whole time, dude. I'm a... Uh, Mossberg 835. Okay. Which is, it's it's like a $350 gun, dude. And I just, dude, you know how it is. Like, they get, they get so, they get wet. They get salty in the bay. They get, they get, I mean, I clean it, but they get beat up, dude. And, like, the finish on it is so worn out. And it just, <laughs> it look, you, you would laugh, like, looking at it, dude. It's so, it's so worn out. But it's been so reliable, and like apparently, like those are pretty much like kind of looked at, kind of like the Remington eight seventy, just like super reliable, and they work forever and stuff like that. And and it has, but I finally was like, dude, this is I need to step it up, man. This is kind of kind of silly. <laughs> dude, I uh, I for when I got into duck hunting, like I still have it, my Benelli Nova pump. Yeah. And dude, that thing's a tank. Yeah. It's tried and true, old, reliable. Hell yeah! One hunt, I dropped my Beretta in the water. It was like, I don't know, like the third hunt ever. I dropped it in the water, and I was like, "Oh crap, dude!" And it actually ended up jamming on me because it wasn't like during the breaking period, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was like, "Shit, dude!" I was like, "I'll be right back." And I ran all the way to my truck, and I was like, "I think I have some gun oil in here." 
I was like, I don't have any gun oil. Like, what do I got? And I look and I go, well, I got, you know, Chevron or whatever, uh, 1540 weight, you know, for my truck. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw it. My buddy's standing there like, you're seriously going to lube your gun with engine oil? And I go, oh, hell yeah, I am. <laughs> and I, I took it all apart, dude. I lubed it up. I was like, we're good to go, you know, and we ran back out. He was like, you're, you're effing crazy, dude. And the thing shot great, so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oil's oil, man. Yeah, man, it worked. It worked. Oh, that's funny. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Got to do what you got to do, man. I wasn't going to try one shot. I was like, screw this. Like, birds are flying. I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hell yeah. What is your, does your, uh, I think I think they all do, but your gun probably came with like some stock choke tubes, right? Yeah, but I, uh, what's funny, dude, is like I, I put a new choke in my Benelli a couple years ago, and it rusted and it seized in there, so that's not coming out. Oh damn! Yeah, and then um, when I bought my Beretta, I actually ordered a choke previously because my buddy had it. My buddy has the same setup as I do, just a little bit older Beretta. I mean, still shoots amazingly, and I was like, "Screw it, I'm just going to get the same gun Mason has." And uh, I have not shot a single round out of one of those chokes. It's all just been my. Uh, I think it's extended. It's a uh, modified at 50, but like everybody, eh, dude, all, I don't like shooting birds at 30 yards. I'm like, yes. You don't like shooting them at 30? No, dude. I like them feet down. Oh yeah. I yeah. like them. I like them in my face at five, 10 yards. Oh yeah. You know? dude. Like 30 yards, 30 yards. I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm like 20, 20. I could do it, you know, 25 for sure. But like, 25 yeah. and in is my that's where i want them and it's like i'll pass on birds left and right and we'll sit there and we'll like my buddy brought his rangefinder out and was like how far do you think this bird is and i go i don't, I don't know man it's 60 yards 70 yards he's like 40 yards i go you're kidding me and he goes <laughs> no and i go dude we should be killing a lot more birds then <laughs> you know like, <laughs> yeah yeah it's I... just it's just a more uh, to me it's more ethical dude i like i like working birds the most that's that's my biggest thing i love breaking them down i love seeing them just cupped up just maple leaf parachuting in same here and it's like dude. it's like oh it's gonna get western real fast boys like get ready yeah yeah i'm not a fan of like pass shooting and like i don't know i mean unless it's like super slow dude i mean but yeah like dude when they when, i don't know if there's something about like uh being able to trick them in like that close when they're just coming directly in i don't know it's it's awesome dude that's been that's been actually last season i had i think i talked about it already on my podcast but i had a one day one day uh my first day out in like a couple years like i said i had a slow couple years there because my dog and i just didn't feel like going or whatever and i was stuck on big game for a couple years but last season my first day out i went with a new a new buddy that I met during archery season, but we went duck hunting and, and dude, the, it was, it was about the best day of my season. One of the best days of my season last year. And, uh, yeah, the whole day, dude, bird or the whole morning, like birds were just coming in super tight, dude. Like I kept missing everything, but he, he shot a banded mallard. I missed it. He shot it, <laughs> but like, I don't know. Just when the, when the birds work like that, there's nothing better. Dude, speaking of bands, before my buddy moved up to Washington, we were hunting our rice blinds. Yeah. And 
I was on this whole kick, dude. I would be sitting in my blind watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, binge watching like no other. Because it'd be like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, nothing's flying. Like, let's see, you know, let's let's give it some time. Let's just sit out here all day. And when I heard my buddies calling, I got it on video. My buddy shot a banded speck. He was 60 yards down my check parallel with me, like a 25-mile-an-hour north wind. Just sitting there levitating over my check. And I was like, huh, uh, yeah, well... They're already calling him, you know, and then I pulled out my phone, I videotaped it, and I called him, I go, hey, I got that on video, and they're like, let me call you back, we gotta help the dog out. Call me back, go, it's banded. <laughs> oh, man, of course. <laughs> so, that was pretty funny, dude. Bits, banded specs are, are like, a very, I've, I've rarely ever seen them, you know, but I've seen them at the uh, Sacramento, the SAC uh, Clothes Zone, is it the SAC Clothes Zone? Like, or glues to close them. Oh, yeah. Dude. And I have two pictures through my binos of them, just two banded spec hanging out, hanging out with each other. I'm like, dude, I wonder where these guys are from. Like, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of, well, kind of all over that area. Just the snows and the specks are freaking everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that closed zone in Calusa. Like, if you can get close to that, close to that closed zone at Calusa, dude, and time it right, it's pretty money. Mm-hmm. Do you uh? Do you are do you you have a spec call you you call you call geese too? Yeah, um, but like my dude, it honestly takes me like a couple hunts to get back into spec calling. Yeah, I don't, so I don't, I don't even I don't even know how to do it, dude. <laughs> it's, dude, I just never have gotten into it. I I want to. I'm I'm starting to like get the interest in it. I just. I love ducks, dude. I love the way ducks work. I love duck hunting. I love calling them. I just, I think it's just the way they work and stuff. It just attracts me more to it. But like, I I, I miss out on a lot of opportunities not knowing how to to call specs in though, and I need to figure it out. Dude, it is specs can be very awesome, but very frustrating at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times like me and my buddies have worked like a small little group of specs and it's just been like to me they're like sprig like if you can work a sprig like a sprig will just do 30 passes around your spread and be like no nah, that one hen decoy is really light colored you guys should probably touch that up with some paint see ya <laughs> and like i feel like specs are the same way dude they'll just pick you apart and yeah. it's like but when when they do it right that's awesome like it it's it's something cool yeah, and I think maybe that's why I haven't gotten addicted to it yet. I haven't really – I mean, I've I've seen them finish. I've seen guys, like, call them in and kill them, and it, like, but not, like, not a lot. And, like, it's it's weird how they just – they take forever, man. It's like they just glide back and forth, dude, and they just fucking – they just take, for, <laughs> take forever to come in. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I have the patience for this, man. Like, I want a duck to come in and, like, commit or not, like – Let's move just on. Just do a like, I gotta, suicide, <laughs> suicide bombing run in here, just into your spread. Yeah, I just you know? like, I got shit to do, man. <laughs> yeah, specs are specs are super temperamental, dude. It's uh, <clears throat> I've watched like one little like pluck, and they're just like, yep, yeah, nope, and just fly away, and it's like, damn, dude, you know. So yeah, it is cool though. Like I've had, I, I mean, I have hunted with buddies that are really good with the spec call, and they'll just. Just on their own, they'll just work their ass off and call them in, 
and it and, <laughs> and they're so out of breath by the time they actually come down, but they'll get it done, dude, and it's pretty it's pretty cool. Pretty cool dude, to see. Yeah. I will say that, like, I have never called an animal and broken a sweat unless it's a speck. <laughs> like, <laughs> Seriously. And, and even then, it's worse when you do that, and then they're just like, no, I don't want to be here, and fly away, and you're like, oh, I should just, mm. <laughs> Dude, I had a buddy, I had a buddy work, I think he, I think it was just one speck. He was just working it, dude, for... Man, it seemed like 15 minutes straight, dude, just blowing and blowing, just all by himself, just working this bird in, and we were just sitting there waiting, 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 and he just was calling it, calling it, and it just kept getting closer. And, dude, it finally got, like, to shooting range, and a spoonie flew by, and one of our buddies just shot up and shot the spoonie and then scared this back <laughs> away, dude. I was like, are you serious, dude? Did you? I would be, <laughs> I would be that guy. I was like, did you just do that, dude? Seriously? Oh man, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. I would definitely be like, "Oh, look at this beautiful Drake Spoonie!" Boom. <laughs> and my buddies just look at me, be, be like, "You can leave now." <laughs> oh my god, dude, that's that's what it was like. The look on that guy's face that was calling the spec was just like, "Dude, seriously? Like, I just worked my ass off for this thing, dude, and you just shot a Spoonie? Did you just you just shot at it? You didn't even hit it." Dude, I got a good spec story. My buddy got drawn for number one at a LDC. And uh, he's like, hey, let's go. Like, this number one, this is going to be a lights out shootout, you know? Hell yeah. And we're like, all right, so we carry out, I don't know how many decoys, dude, like five dozen, six dozen decoys, you know, a bunch of specs, you know, a bunch of spec wobblers. Set them up. This one big tar belly spec just comes cruising right in. No no hard calling needed at all. Just a couple little clucks, and that thing was committed fully. And it's my it's my buddy Mason's resi, and he goes, we're, like, sitting there, and we're like, okay, get ready. I jump up, and I cut that thing cold-heartedly right over his wobblers, and the look on his face was like, dude, yeah, yeah I bring you out on this resi, and you kill the first bird. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am so sorry, man. Like, I owe you so much. It's <laughs> oh, so funny. Everybody was like, what were you thinking? And I go, I don't know, dude. It was just killer killer instinct took over. Man. It's <laughs> like, game time, bro. <laughs> yeah. I'll never live that one down. Oh, it's funny. I know it's funny how there's some hunts like that where you're like, yeah, I definitely owe you one, dude. Like, next one's mm-hmm. yours. <laughs> That that was with that last year that that banded mallard I told you about. Like we still, me and that dude, we still go back and forth on like, because I shot first and I know I hit it, but it didn't. I didn't stone it. I just like I think I winged it or something, and and then he followed right up and 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 uh, knocked it down. And dude, and his dog went and got it, and and I and I saw the band, and I'm like, dude, it's it's banded, bro. And he's like, shut up, dude. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, you shot that thing. And I was like, no, dude, you shot it. I, I winged it, and then you were the one that sealed the deal. It's your band. And he's like, and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like 100%. I, there was no doubt in my mind. Like, it was his bird. And then, like, but, like, still, like, he'll just randomly call me or text me and be like, dude, I really feel bad, dude. I really feel like this is your band. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, just, all right. You you owe me. Let's just, let's just, let's just figure it that way. Next season, if there's a, if there's a, a debate, then I'll take it. But that's your band, bro. <laughs> like, there's always like a, I don't know. There's always those situations where you're like, I owe you one, or you owe me one, or whatever. 
Dude, yeah, uh, a funny story about a band. My brother, like, my brother was like, we're sitting in the blind, real foggy day, real gray day, and uh, we're talking about bands and whatnot. And then I look up, I see this pair of mallards come in, and I go, I go, oh, okay, look at these around here, Andrew. And he goes, Paul, and I go, no, no, they want in. You know, these things are committed. They're going to do one big old, big old pass. They're going to come right over the blind. Sure as shit, they do that. They come right over the blind to go, okay, Andrew, like, you see that green head coming? He goes, yeah. He goes, it's a bigger bird on, on your side. I go, okay, cut it. Cut that green head. Andrew, shoot that thing. And he's just like, just, I don't know, he froze or something. I grabbed my gun, one shot that thing. And my my dog was uh, seven months old at the time. That was his first green head. We, he went out, got it, and he was dicking around with it in the, in the water. So I had to go grab it from him, and then um, my brother's like, "Did you get it?" And I go, "Yeah." You ever seen a banded bird before? <laughs> Dead silence in the fog. I came back. I go, "Here's a banded greenhead for you, dude. You should have cut that thing." <laughs> oh man, that hurts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like, his excuse was, "I was waiting for you," and I go, "When I tell you to jump up and cut it, I don't mean wait for me." I go, "You shoot that damn thing." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like that means I'm saying shoot, and I'm waiting for you to take the first shot, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty funny. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah. Band, bands are super interesting. I think the whole I think the whole science behind bands is really cool. And like, yeah. fortunate enough, I have I have three, but they're pretty much all local birds. And uh, but my buddy, dude, he's driving he's driving down down the road. Looks sees a snow goose in the canal. Stops, lets his dog out. Dog jumps out, grabs the bird, bam, banded in Russia. <laughs> it was alive. It was a crippled. It was a crippled oh, snow goose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I hate. That's the whole reason I got a bird. Dude. I mean, I got a dog. Was I? I, I was so sick and tired of like crippling a bird and losing them in the toolies, dude. dude and it's it the was worst. like. It's like, you know, when people say, like, that was a bad shot on a deer or something, like, I could just imagine what that feels like, because I know how bad it is when I see, like, a crippled bird or something like that. I'm like, oof, that's yeah. not good. Yep, I'm the same way, dude. Yeah. I Yeah, it's cool, dude, having a dog that can, you know, it's not always perfect. Like, my dog wasn't professionally trained or anything, but I took a lot of pride in training her, and, and she definitely saved a lot of bird a lot of birds that were lost or that would have been lost otherwise like i mean there was times where she dove underwater dude and pulled birds out from underneath the water that were like grabbing onto tulies under the water and shit like that like she was she was a good dog man i missed that dog yeah I, I could just imagine dude like my dog does the same thing and, and i mean i trained him all myself he was my first puppy first lab and first hunting dog you know and he turned out pretty damn good like do the same thing, dive under, grab that bird from hanging on the toolies in a smart weeds, and then just pull them on up. I'm like, huh, I never would have found that. Yeah, dude, just, yeah. Yeah, by luck, sometimes, like, you'll you'll be walking where it was, and you'll kick it or something, you're like, oh, shit, it's under the water. I didn't even see it. But, like, yeah, when they can just, I don't know how they smell them. Like, they just smell, I guess, the surface of the water where the duck went down or whatever, and they just dive under and grab it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's wild, dude. Do you uh, where do you where do you typically hunt? Refuges, or you have you're of a club too, right? Yeah, I mean we call it we call it a club. It's uh, my buddy's dad's cabin, um, and then we we have rice blinds, um, 
throughout the valley. And then uh, we typically hunt the refuge. And, like, some guys look at us like we're crazy. They're like, you you have rice blinds and hunt mainly refuges? And I'm like, yep. Yeah. And they're like, you, you're crazy, dude. Like, seriously, you know? And I've gotten into, like, long conversations with guys about it. And it's like, sometimes, dude, the rice is just not on until you get, like, a big push of migratory birds or a big storm, you know? And then Yeah, 100%. It, it's it's like you can go out and especially with like california's like sprig limit which i don't understand like there must be science behind it like I'm not bashing it but i kind of am is like because i see him everywhere o- oh dude we can only shoot one sprig and it's like i i jump up and i shoot the first bull sprig that i see like i do i i really try not to shoot hen sprig you know yep. just because if there is a population problem with them or something like that like that little bit of conservation could go a long way yeah and uh but yeah, if I can jump up and cut the first bull I see, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm stoked, you know. And it's like a small little, small little bull that probably has rice breast, and then it's like four hundred thousand sprig just land in my spring. Yeah, dude. Everybody I talked to last season was like, early, like right off the bat, dude was like, oh dude, next year for sure they're gonna up the sprig limit, dude. Like there's sprig everywhere. <laughs> and then like this year it comes out again, and like, uh, okay, maybe not. Because it's still it's still one, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, I see him all over the place. Like, I I drive the back roads to work when I when I when I do go to the office in Sac. There's all those all that farmland off 99 and stuff. Yep. And uh, dude, they're 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 everywhere, dude. Like, that's the first bird I notice because they're, it's obvious when it's first light or whatever. I'm driving to work. It's dark. I I can see the moonlight glistening off of them, and they're freaking everywhere, dude. Like, yeah, and I don't understand what their, I mean, I don't understand what their whole thought process is behind it, um, but it's like, do they think that they're going to get so overly populated that they're just going to, like, trickle into other flyways? Because if they're not really getting all that much hunting pressure on them, they're probably just going to keep coming back to the same area every year. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same thing, like, you could look at it for, like, deer elk, right? Like, they know where the private land, like ag land is to where they can just go down there. They have water, they have food and they've got bedding area. They're probably not going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I still need to get the, I I, I haven't dove into the elk thing yet, but I might have to pick your brain, brain on that a little bit. I know you're somewhat new into it too, but I haven't even, haven't even dove down that rabbit hole yet. You should. I want to. I uh, I got my bow. <clears throat> my brother got his bow from uh, Hans at uh, West Coast Archery. Oh yeah. And uh, and then um, I came back a year later and bought mine from Hans. And like Han, he knows I, he knows I love duck hunting. I'm a big duck hunter, and he goes, once you start chasing bugling bulls, you'll never look at duck hunting the same. And I go, I, I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, you're crazy, you know? And then I got into a big bugle screen fest with this bull at like 300 yards on the open face of this mountain. That was that was a super cool experience. And then, I, dude, I came back and I looked at him and I go, you were 100% right. <laughs> like, that's, that's why I like, dude, I like elk hunting because it gives you that kind of like, interaction and i think that being able to talk to a whole different species yeah you know is just dude nothing can ever rival that yeah well you know what i you know the conclusion i kind of came to of like 
like sometimes I try to compare duck hunting to big game hunting and stuff, and like, like sometimes I feel like I, I mean, like sometimes I like I feel like I just love duck hunting more than anything, and then, and then deer season comes, and I'm like, no, dude, deer season, like I I love this shit like a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, and then it's like I go through phases, and I'm like, dude, what? Is there something wrong with me or what? But like, I was listening to, you know, have you you know Steve Evans? That sounds familiar. He's a uh, I interview. He was on my podcast. I can't remember what episode, but um, he he was a, he's a waterfowl hunter and he started big game hunting recently and he's been really successful. He was just t- I, I heard him talking last. He was on a different podcast, but um, I was listening to him talk about it and I was like, yeah, dude, that's what it is, man. It's it's. To me, it's like the it's the pursuit. So like, that's what I like about it. I think of whatever it is. Like, I think that's why. Like, I'm, I haven't ever committed to a rice blind because, like, I yeah. just I can't like convince myself that paying two grand or fifteen hundred to two grand or whatever it is a, a seat is worth it for me. Like, like I don't want to be stuck in one spot and just wait to see if birds come. Like. I mean, it, you are hunting a migratory bird and they're migrating and you still have to, it, it takes a ton of work still. I'm not saying it's like easier or something like it's not, but like for me, like with duck hunting, like I would, I, I would rather pay 1500 or two grand a year on a duck boat payment and like go where the ducks are and like be in pursuit of them and like figure, like go, go hunting for them, like go find them and hunt them. And I think that's why I like deer hunting so much is like, you're like, you're in pursuit and you're like going to find them. Like you're not like just sitting there waiting for them or whatever. I don't know. Dude, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that's what the, uh, like the big appeal to elk hunting to me is like, I mean, I totally understand like you're not wanting to be like locked down into one spot, but like the way I look at it is, uh, you always have a spot to hunt. Yeah, I know, and it's dude, it's so nice having a blind, like especially right here, dude. There's so many, there, there's so many good blinds like right here in the Sac Valley that are within an hour, or yeah. or less, dude. I mean, there's some that I hunt. Actually, st- the club st- Steve hunts at, I hunt sometimes with a different guy that hunts there, off 99, uh, close to 80, dude. Like not even. I mean, it's 20 minutes for me to get there, and it's so nice, dude. I could just show up. Hop on the quad, ride out there, dude, and and just be in your spot and everything's set up and it's it's nice. <laughs> it's pretty damn nice. Yeah, and I mean it's especially like if you go to the refuge, right, and you do the whole refuge rat run, which is like, I mean, you know, a lot of opens at six, so you're at a refuge before then, you know, and then it's like haul ass, you know, try to do a big loop and get somewhere before the lotto closes, you know, and then it's like, oh look, like didn't get in anywhere and nobody drew resi we're not hunting tomorrow i feel like i just wasted my time yeah and that's that's how i look at it because then it's like oh, okay well didn't get drawn let's go blind yep yeah you know? and that's where i've always just been one step behind i haven't committed to a blind or a boat so yeah like for me it's just pretty much been the refuges unless i get an invite to a club or something and i don't know you know, and now, like, my kids are starting to grow up, and I, I want to start taking them more, and, you know, but then it's like, okay, so you pay for a seat for you, and then what, do you pay for another seat for your kid, and then what about your other kid and your other kid? Like, <laughs> this shit gets expensive, dude. Like, 
two two grand a seat or whatever for four seats and oh yeah <laughs> like uh so i don't know I've, I've been getting more in the habit of do, just doing the lotto like kind of toughing it out and just doing the lotto up there with the refuges and taking my trailer up there and like trying to trying to just take it easy and make a good good evening out of it and barbecue and stuff and whatever just chill have a couple drinks oh yeah i i I see, I see the appeal to that. And that's like why we're kind of blessed with, with my buddy's dad's cabin, you know. It's like we can just cruise on back, have some beers, you know, and chill out. So, yep. I, I just like the refuges, dude. Like I sweat lined so many damn times, too, and just been like, this sucks. Yep. <laughs> it definitely has its moments. <laughs> that's that's kind of why I've been like kind of going out, you know. Once my buddy moved to Washington, went up there that one time, going up there again, and I've been like looking into Arkansas, South Dakota, North Dakota. Kind of kind of interested to go into the South too, like uh, Louisiana, yeah, and go and go check that stuff out because that just looks like a whole another ball game appealing to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like a whole another world. Uh... Do you uh have have you do you follow Daybreak Outdoors? I think so. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That looks that looks hella fun. What they do? They, I mean, it's like they all just load up in their boats and like start. It's it's almost like there's like a like on opening day or whatever. It looks like there's just like a load of those guys like at the boat ramp and like heading out at the, at the same time <laughs> at the same time in their boats like run, running through the timber hella fast. That's crazy. Dude, those guys dude. have some serious balls to do that at like yeah. four o'clock in the morning. You're like hauling like 40 miles an hour in a boat through flooded timber. Yeah, dude. They're just like cruising through like tight little sections of, of trees, dude. Like, you know, and you know what it's like, probably what it's like to be on a boat. I mean, it doesn't necessarily turn like a car. I mean, you're kind of drifting. <laughs> so it's like, they yeah. got, those guys got some skills, dude. Like they do that shit a lot. Yeah. Those guys, it's pretty bad to the bone to watch those. Yeah, that'd be fun. Like, and they have all those those like badass, you know, done up duck boats with all the underglow and like, yep, dude, it's just it's fucking sweet. Yeah, <laughs> you uh, and then you just take one bad turn and you wreck it. And, you know, you stuff a tree into it, and then there's your forty thousand dollar duck boat down the drain. Yeah, dude, you, <laughs> you definitely hear horror stories. I, like I have a buddy that a buddy that has a buddy that uh was running his boat in the in the bay one time and the tide the tide went down and him and his dad were in the boat and his dad so they they were they were going pretty fast and they they like bottomed out on the bottom of the bay like they like bottomed the boat out and and his dad flew over the front of the boat and the boat slid on top of him dude and just stopped right on top of his dad and like was on top of him, smushing him down into the mud in the bay, underwater, like in, under the boat. Jeez! So he had to get out in that marsh, dude, and like lift the boat up somehow and get like pull his dad out, like, like, dude, holy crap, dude! How, like, that's that's scary, dude. Yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's like it can, like things can change so quick and. Like you hear about guys t- guys taking like cheap boats out too, and like hitting you know going in like flooded areas or something and hitting like a 
like a fence post that's underwater and it rips their boat open like a tin can and they drown. Like, I think that stuff happens like every year up here. Yeah, geez. But it's, so it's kind of scary, but I think as long as you know the area and you have a good equipment, a good boat with some thick gauge metal and stuff, then you'd be all right. But it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah. But. Yeah, man. Well, we're almost at two hours, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's 940. Killer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to cover or if you want to stop it there. We can, I mean, I, we'll probably definitely do it again another time, too. We can dig into all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we went down some serious rabbit holes on different topics and stuff. That was killer. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. I think I might. I think when I edit this, I might just break this up into like a two-part series because whoever's going to listen to us for two hours, like right on. <laughs> if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me on Instagram at Mountain Vision or my personal Instagram page at Blue Collar Harvester. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>